Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles? That you're isolated and alone? Like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook, and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth, and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Hello, my friend. Welcome back. This week, I have Jeff Jennings with me. Jeff is phenomenal, man. He and his wife, Jessica, are super gifted in the area of marriage, and it's a real gift to be able to bring him to you today. Jeff, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me, Mike. I'm really excited just to be a part of this and uh, to be able to speak to your audience and hopefully offer something of value to them. Thank you, my friend. Would you mind telling us who you are, personal, professional, and what somebody is going to see if they met you today? Sure. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist, and I've been in the mental health field in some capacity or another for over 25 years. I've been married for 16 years. My wife is also a licensed professional counselor. We actually met in graduate school getting our master's degrees in professional counseling. We have a lovely 11-year-old daughter. And last year, we started a uh, online coaching practice called Greatest Marriage Ever, serving busy, achievement-oriented couples with young children who are struggling with disconnection in their relationship, which a lot of us experience after we have children, if not before. (laughs) So we want to help couples move from what we call self-protection to authentic connection in their relationship. I love the term of self-protection because it's like, yeah, that is that is a source of disconnect. How does it play out as far as when you're coaching these couples? What does that look like in that process? We definitely we have different programs that we sort of take them through, but it really is all about looking at self-protective strategies that we all employ. And we all have these that we've developed over time, basically because you know, we've been hurt in relationship at some point in our lives. A lot of that, you know, we go back and look at sort of your childhood experiences, your attachment style. That's that's a whole topic in and of itself, talking about attachment styles. But, but basically, it's this idea that, you know, based on our experiences growing up when we're learning how to be in relationship, when we're learning how to get our needs met for love and belonging and affirmation, you know, we're, we're going to be hurt in that process. Even with the best parents, we get hurt, but especially if our parents were not particularly attentive to our needs, then a lot of fear can develop, you know, mm-hmm. around relationship. And we have this sort of 
fear response a lot of times in our relationships, especially when things aren't going well or when we don't feel like we're getting our needs met. And we develop these self-protective strategies when we're young to protect us from harm, but they don't serve us well in relationships as adults. Now, are you seeing those self-protective methods or patterns? Is it solely impacting our marriage or is it also impacting our relationship with friends, our coworkers? Is it wider reach that those self-protective behaviors Mm -hmm. impact? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. And I I would definitely say it it impacts all of our relationships. You know, it it impacts our our basic relational style or interpersonal style. It's most salient, we believe, in our romantic relationships, because that's where we expect to get our deepest needs for intimacy met, right? That's why we enter into these relationships. You know, that's where we expect to get these needs met the most. And so, while we can kind of like with coworkers and friends, sometimes we can kind of tamp it down a little bit, these strategies, and, and they're mm-hmm. not as obvious, or we can hide them a little bit better. They're still there and we still use them and they still impact those relationships, certainly. But in our romantic relationships, they're just really, it's just, it's fully exposed. You know, it, it's going to come out. So it's, it's more vulnerable, like mm-hmm. uh, in, in that type of situation. It just doesn't play out as much in the others, but it's still there. Is that right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So as you're walking people through, is it, is it something that you're seeing then as their marriage improves and they're removing that self-protective like guard, are you then seeing them come back and say, Hey, my relationship has, has blossomed, you know, over here with my children and my wife is changing. Like, do you see it then having kind of a ripple effect? Into their other relationships as well. Yeah. So like, as I'll just back up and, and use myself as an example. So as, as I healed and moved out of like those, you know, self-protective behaviors, I have then seen like my wife just bloom, like totally shoot off like a rocket. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, whereas before that would have been intimidating. Now it's just, you know, it's a different type of relationship, but I've seen her almost as if now it's like a permission thing. And same thing with the children where it's like, they, they've just gone into orbit, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Are you seeing that with, with others as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause when we, when we gain these insights into our self-protective strategies and how we sort of hide or shut down when we're hurt or feeling rejected in some way or how we attack, you know, it's kind of Mm -hmm. sometimes we attack when we're feeling that way. So as we learn about these things in ourselves and learn what our real needs are and learn how to get those needs met in constructive ways and healthy ways, yeah, it's going to impact all of our relationships, but I think, you know, first and foremost, it impacts our relationship with our, our, our wife and then our children, you know, our wife and then our children. So That's awesome. yeah, I definitely think there's a, there's a ripple effect there. Very cool. How did you, how did you get interested in marriage and, and doing the, the clinical side? How, how did that come about? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it, you know, it, it came about as probably, you know, a lot of people assume, you know, people who go into psychology have really messed up backgrounds themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I came from a pretty dysfunctional family, a broken home. My mom was thrice divorced. I had a, an older brother and sister. They were several years older than me. We all had different fathers. And my older brother and sister got married really young. And they were both divorced before I even graduated from high school. So I was scared to death marriage of relationship and, you know, avoided it. I, I, I didn't avoid it. What I would say is, I have, if you know anything about attachment styles, there are a number of different attachment styles that we can develop as children. And I had what, what's called sort of a fearful avoidant attachment style. And with that kind of attachment style, it, it's basically somebody who who really longs for connection and longs for a relationship, but is is scared of it at the same time. So they kind of keep it at arm's length. You know, there's sort of mm-hmm. this this fear of intimacy. So there's a longing for intimacy. There's also a fear of intimacy. And so I was afraid of relationship, although I had a number of sort of semi long term relationships, they would usually last about a year to a year and a half. And then I would break up or sabotage the relationship in some way, you know, as things started to get get more serious. And when one of the the last of those happened in my mid-20s. I just became really super depressed because I realized that the problem was within me and mm. and I was repeating the same pattern. You know, at that point, it was a pretty established pattern and I could see it clearly. And I just didn't have any hope at that point that, that things were going to get better. You know, I didn't know what to do. So I was kind of, I had exhausted my resources and, and then, you know, through, you know, through, you know, a series of just kind of things that happened and and work that I ended up doing, you know, I got some healing in that area and I, I can talk more about that if you want to, but I got a lot of healing in that area. And then eventually went back to school to get my master's degree in counseling because I had been through some counseling and found it extremely helpful. And I felt like, you know, God had given me some gifts in that area. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to help other people navigate that journey. So you went in because of what you were seeing from your mom and from your siblings, as far as like the, the types, can you mention like what the other types were that you, you described Mm -hmm. for yourself? Like, what are the other ones that somebody might find themselves in? Right. So there's there's secure attachment. And that's someone who grows up sort of in the best of circumstances or at least good enough circumstances. Right. Mm-hmm. Winnicott said Donald Winnicott said Winnicott, a psychiatrist in the early 20th century, said, you know, we just need good enough parenting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect. So you can, you know, with good enough parenting, you can have a, a secure attachment style. But that doesn't mean everything's perfect. But the other is like anxious, preoccupied. And that's someone who would be constantly anxious about their relationship, really insecure in their relationship, always needing kind of affirmation and reassurance and probably get you get a lot more jealousy, you know, and things like that going on in the relationship. There's fear, fearful avoidant, which I described. That's kind of was my attachment style where you want relationship, but 
you're also afraid of intimacy, you know, relationships or love just hasn't been, hasn't been dependable, you know, you can't trust it. And so you keep it a little bit of arm's length at the same time you're seeking it. And then dismissive avoidant is someone who is really sort of just independent and downplays the need for a relationship altogether. Um, mm. And, and kind of just, if they're in a relationship, they're really just sort of just in it for their own needs. And that's about it. You know, so. Gotcha. So they're kind of detached from, mm -hmm. from that emotional side. So you're going through school. Did you, and you talked about going through some healing there. Did you meet Jessica before, during, or, or after that process? Mm -hmm. So I actually met, so it's interesting. So to back up a little bit, I, you know, my biggest fear, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the song by Credence Clearwater Revival, Someday Never Comes. Are you familiar with that song? I know CCR, but I don't know that song. I'm going to have to check it out now. <laughs> but it tells the story. It's actually the story about John Fogarty's, his own parents' divorce. And he talks about as a little boy, you know, his, his dad leaving and telling him to be a man and, you know, basically said, you know, someday you'll understand. And it's this whole story of how his life unfolds and how he ends up leaving his own son, you know, and kind of saying the same thing to him, you know, be a man, but someday you're going to understand. And the whole course of the song that that's repeated throughout is this, this him saying, you know, you know, I'm here to tell you now each and every mother's son, you better learn it fast. You better learn it young. Someday never comes. Right. Wow. So you're, you're like, you don't figure it out. And I remember hearing that song, I, I, which ironically came out the year I was born. So I remember hearing that song in my 20s. And I, I was like, that's my fear. It just nailed my fear on the head. Right. That I was just going to repeat the same mistakes as my as my father. You know, and I, if I got married and had a kid, I didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't have one, you know, really growing up. You know, my father left, you know, when I was six years old, I never saw him again, you know, so I was scared to death. I was just going to repeat that, you know, process. And that was part of part of the reason why I avoided intimacy as well. And so, you know, I kind of got to this place where when I said where I kind of got really depressed after, you know, I'd seen this pattern in my life. And, and I let some other unhealthy things into my life at that point, like substance use and stuff, and just kind of reached the end of my rope. And, you know, that's when I sought out some help. And for me, the first, first part of that was just, you know, getting some hope back. Right. And for me, that came through faith, my faith, which I had abandoned years before as well. And, you know, I think everyone just has to start with hope, whether you find that through faith or something else. For me, it came through faith because I had exhausted my resources. So I had to believe there was something bigger than me that could help me <laughs> at that point. So I kind of got that part of my life going again and, and figuring some things out. And then I went to counseling. I started attending counseling and to work on what my counselor called my father wound, right? And I had to just work through the grief of feeling of being abandoned, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, by my own father and had to work with the pain that came along with. And then eventually I did, you know, go, I, and that's when I went back to school. I stopped dating, you know, I really kind of just stopped dating for a while and just was working on myself. And I had to learn 
not just how to be healthy myself, but I also had to learn how to choose a healthy relationship and be in a healthy relationship. And so when I went back to school to get my master's degree in counseling, that's where I met my wife. We were in the, the same graduate program. And I remember when I, when I met her, I, I was like, if I start dating this woman, I'm going to marry her. And I never, I never told her that until, until we actually got married or after I asked her to marry me, but I had that thought and I, and it scared, scared me again. <laughs> so I went back to counseling. <laughs> like, That's understandable. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so we started, we started dating in our graduate program and I, return in counseling at that point because I still had to work through the fear. I'd kind of previously worked on sort of the pain and the father wound, but now I had to sort of work through the fear of the intimacy in, in, in real time while I was dating my future wife. So that was really helpful. I can imagine. Were you also <laughs> having to, I know you say you were being mindful of a bunch of other things, you know, were you also having to watch how, you received her comments and reactions and then how you responded as well. Was that something you were having to process through during that time? Oh yeah. Yeah, certainly. And, and, uh, and, you know, we were pretty, we were both in a counseling program, so we were pretty open with one another and, and pretty transparent and vulnerable. And so we had, I don't know, maybe been dating about six months or so. And, you know, she told me, she told me first that she loved me. And she said, you know, when she told me this, she was like, you know, I don't expect you, you don't have to say anything in return, but I just feel like I need to let you know, I need to tell you that I love you. And, you know, I looked her in the eye and I said what every woman longs to hear from the man that she loves. I said, thank you. <laughs> how, did that, how did that go over? she it went over just fine but it was it was another year over another year until i actually told her that i loved her and at that point we'd been dating we'd been dating for over a year and and we had both graduated from our program and she needed to know you know if this relationship was going anywhere and 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 i took a few days to kind of think in contemplate things and seek out my my advisors and you know talk to my counselor but I also talk to other mentors and, and men that I trusted and I was just kind of trying to figure out you know what what I what I was going to do you know I was still mm -hmm. sort of battling some of that fear and wasn't sure is this the right one you know am I making a mistake how do I know you know so there was just still so much fear about getting married and marrying the wrong person you know and ending up divorce that I was just really kind of struggling with this. And, you know, a verse, there was a verse in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, you know, that talks about, you know, without counsel, you know, basically you're going to be disappointed, you know, your plans are disappointed, but, but with an abundance of counselors, your plans succeed. And I just come away from meeting with a dear mentor and of, and pastor friend of mine, and I just, I feel like God just kind of spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice or anything, but I just, I just heard this voice that said, trust the wisdom of your counselors, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I felt like in my own life, like I couldn't trust myself because there was too much fear. You know, I couldn't really trust 
any decisions I was kind of making because of the fear that I had. And, you know, and I just had this sense I needed to trust the wisdom of my counselors. And no one told me, you need to marry this girl, but they, they had just kind of encouraged me, you know, with some of, you know, what I was struggling with. And so at that point, I did tell her that I loved her and, and, and we moved forward in the relationship and then got engaged about six, six or seven months later. So very cool. Now, did she understand like, like your, your background, like what your fears and, and concerns were as far as marriage and relationship? Were you guys mm-hmm. open at that level? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we talked we talked about that stuff a lot before we dated. So we kind of joke, like, you know, we both went into marriage with our eyes wide open, right? We knew marriage was hard. We knew it took work. We, we knew that, you know, there were going to be struggles. And so, you know, we weren't pessimistic about it, but we were just realistic, you know? So I think, you know, at that point in our lives, neither one of us were entered into it with any notions that, you know, it was just going to be this perfect fairy tale and everything was going to be smooth and easy going because we were in love, right? We knew it was going to take work. And, and, in, and in all honesty, I think, you know, because of that, you know, it, it made things easier in a lot of ways because we just sort of expected, you know, that things were going to come up and, and part of marriage was, was just sort of was working through those things. So. That makes sense. So you weren't going in like honeymoon, la 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 kind of, uh, <laughs> right. Like, uh, rose, rose colored glasses, like, like, uh, the rest of us might, where it's like, Oh yeah, <laughs> she'll complete me. And everything that's, you know, a challenge right. will go away and be, be resolved. Yeah. That, that I think is amazing that you guys went into that where Mm -hmm. it's like so many of us go in and we're just expecting an unrealistic result from it. You're right. And you said something that that's really important there, you know, not kind of going into it thinking she's going to complete me. And that's part of what I was sort of looking for, you know, before, you know, which a lot of us, you know, like this getting married, finding the right woman is going to complete me. It's going to fill this void in my life. And I had to come to terms with that, you know, that, 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 that no person can do that for you, right? No other person is going to be able to do that for you. And so that was part of my own work too. And just getting prepared to be able to be a healthy partner, you know, to another person. And I know this is getting down the, down the road some in your story. Did, did that feel? that fear of relationship and marriage, did that also then play into having children or was that like, that's a complete different thing. And it's just based on the marriage aspect of it. It's interesting. I think for me, at least when I, once, once I got married and once we were married, you know, like I said, we we were kind of prepared for it. I felt like I was prepared for it. So like when things did happen, it wasn't like, Oh, oh, crap, I made a mistake, you know, (laughs) you know, I didn't feel that way. And so by the time, you know, we were ready to have children, I was feeling here. Here's the good news too. you know, you can change your attachment style, right? It's not permanent and set in stone. And you can also kind of have a little bit of a different attachment style with different people. So even though I'm still sort of I can still sort of be fearful, avoidant in some ways. I'm very secure in my marriage. I'm very secure in my relationship with my wife. 
And so by the time children came around, I mean, I had like the natural, the normal sort of dad fears that we all have, you know, am I going to be a good dad? And, you know, but I never, I didn't have the same kind of fear I had to overcome like I did when I initially got married. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Gotcha. You had talked about you went for counsel and 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 hearing, hey, trust your counsel, right? How did you select those men to come around you? Like, were you looking for a certain age, a quality, a position in life? Like what were your, what were the things you were looking for Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, will you, will you provide counsel for me to be in that role? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, for me, it was about values and, you know, it's like, if you want something in life, you want to surround yourself with the people who have it right and know how to get it. And for me, it was men who had good marriages, you know, who had really strong marriages, people that had really strong values and and family values and were committed to their their marriages and their wives. And that's what I'd always longed for growing up, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know if I was capable of it. So my my counselors, the people I sought out were the men who had that. With with go with having the father wound and going through the counseling was that somewhat of a an awkward process or had you healed in your, in like your father wound, the area of your father wound or like, where did that all, where did all that, that take place? Was it afterwards or during, or. You talk about like the healing. Yeah. Father wound that, that primarily kept was worked out through counseling, you know, sitting with a professional counselor. Yeah. And then did you, was it during that time of going to the counselor that you, you had the, you reached out to these men and, and had them walk alongside of you? Or was that something Mm -hmm. later on, like when father wound was healed, then you were able to reach out to these men in that way. I got you. Yeah. So, you know, one of the men in my life was, he was actually my youth pastor growing up, you know, and continued to be a part of my life. And I would continue to seek him and, and we're still friends, you know, we're, we're dear friends to this day. And so, but I would seek him out when I was struggling or, you know, with something. And he always had wise counsel for me. You know, another one that like I mentioned was, was a pastor, a current pastor, but he actually was the the dean of students at my undergrad, you know, college when I was in school. And so they were, they were men in my life that I respected and trusted and uh, were already sort of a part of my life, you know, during that time that I would seek out. Gotcha. And then as far as like, was the father wound, was that impacted by, by just your, your biological dad or as you had stepfathers, did that compound it or is that totally separate? 
No, it's interesting you bring that up because I did have a stepfather growing up. Uh, my mom remarried when I was about eight, I, I believe. And so you know, I had a stepfather growing up through high school. And it was, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, growing up was it was fairly normal. I never I never saw my biological father again, never heard from him. But I had a stepfather and we had a good a good relationship. You know, I never called him dad. Interesting enough, I always just called him by his first name. And, but when I went off to college and I came home, they, my mom and my stepdad had started to have marital problems when I was in high school, they became, became a lot more pronounced, their marital issues. And then I went off to college and came back home after my freshman year. And, and my mom and stepdad were splitting up at that point. And interestingly, that's when the, the father wound really became apparent to me. You know, it had been something that I hadn't really given much thought to or concern to. But when my mom and my stepdad split up, then it was like a slap in the face, like, uh, oh, I, I don't have a father, you know. And so that's when I kind of went off the rails, so to speak, and, you know, entered into this period of like abandoning my faith and being angry at God and, you know, and, you know, just trying to live life on my terms and, you know, had all these relationships that didn't work out. And, you know, like, like I said, it was probably during that time I was seeking for a relationship, you know, to, to fill that void, fill a void that it couldn't fill. So. Yeah. And I think that's like you talking about looking for the relationship to, to fill a void. I think when we're oblivious to where those pains are, it's like, it's almost a bigger void and we're putting that, that burden on our wife, you know, to, to fill it. And we can't even describe what it is, is mm -hmm. part of our challenge. I think the fact that you understood, Hey, these are the things and you're going to a counselor and having somebody else's insight and having men around you that can speak into you that you trust. I think that's just like vital. And would you say that was something that, that, gave you like the clarity on how to move forward from all these different places that you're getting trusted advice. It's not just like you were looking for men with values. You're not just looking for somebody who shaves their face, right? You're looking right. for a specific type of man who has a result. Was that something you think that, that saved you from going down a painful road that, that puts you on a healthier path? It definitely put me on a healthier path and definitely helped me navigate, you know, some of the different parts of my journey. You know, it was still a struggle. I still had, you know, at the end of the day, it's you, you know, you have to make the choice, you know, you have to, you know, do something different. And I mean, even, you know, even the night before I was to ask my wife to marry me, I was in a panic. <laughs> Right. I was, to, I was panicking. You know, I was ready to just, I uh, want part of me just wanted to run in the other direction and not because I didn't love her because I thought I was doing the wrong thing. It was just that, that fear, you know, coming back up, you know, so at the end of the day, only you can walk through the fear, you know, and your, does your podcast is, is a great, has a great title, fearless living. You've got to be the one to walk through the fear. No one else can do it for you. But the men in my life certainly helped me 
get some clarity and navigate, you know, some of the challenges and the bumps in the road along the way. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I anticipated. So as, as you're married, right, you're walking through, did you find that you had to revisit stuff that you had healed from previously, or was it a one and done? Like, Hey, I've gone to counseling. I've healed this father wound. I'm good to go for the rest of this time frame. Or was it like, Hey, this is, this is showing up in a different way. What did it look like for you? Well, our core wound always shows up in new and unique ways. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if that's if that's encouraging or or discouraging for people. But I do think you know, it's not necessarily. I mean, it's it's what we're all kind of seeking to answer. You know, you know, do am I enough, right? Or you know, someone said like, do I have what it takes? You know, kind of thing. And we're all trying to figure that out, whether we had a good father or not, you know, we still need to figure that out for ourselves. And so, you know, that always is coming up in, in one way or another, you know, and never I've embarked on something new, going to graduate school, then going to get my PhD then starting, you know, my own, you know, practice, you know, so the doubts and the fears, you know, they can always resurface in new and different ways. And that doesn't mean healing hasn't taken place and progress hasn't been made. It, it just means that, you know, life isn't, I don't think, I don't see life necessarily as linear. It's not like we, we hit these things and then we just kind of move on and keep on going in this nice upper trajectory. I think we're kind of like moving around and it's like a circular staircase and, and the wound sort of like is like the pillar that goes up through the center and you're always kind of circling around it and bumping up against it, you know, at different points on your journey, you're further along in the journey, you know, but it's gonna, and you've matured and you've grown, but you're still going to keep bumping up against it, you know, at different point along the way. So that's how I tend to sort of look at it. Yeah. And that makes sense. I haven't, I haven't had that illustration used before. I love that because it makes absolute sense in that it's still there, but your position in relation to it has changed. And so you're going to react to it differently. So with the stuff that you've talked about, as far as like, Hey, the fear shows up, but it shows up differently. Are you still like working through it in the same way with, with other men around you and, and counseling or have, have you changed the way that you, you work through that. It really sort of depends on how I'm encountering it. You know, there are, you know, you learn lots of different things along the way and, you know, tools and you just, you know, with growth and maturity, as you work through these things in your life and come up against it in different ways and gotten through that. So, you know, it depends on the situation. So sometimes it's, it's just me needing to kind of get off and, and work through something, you know, and journal through it and talk through it or to talk through it with my wife or something like that. And there have been periods, you know, where I've, I've returned to counseling. So I, I, you know, I find that indeed valuable. I still try to have men in my life, you know, like I said, I still have my, my youth pastor, you know, and when I was growing up and, and other men that I trust and I know I can seek out and deep friendships too you know, as well that I've had for years and years so that I can, where I can seek people out when I, when I need to, you know, process something or kind of bounce something off of them. So 
it just sort of depends on what the situation calls for at the time. You said something amazing in there that it's like you talk with Jessica, that you're talking <laughs> with your wife. And not at all times in my life have I been open to hearing what my wife said. But how do you, how do you, the two of you set it up so that it's that you're able to speak to her and then receive what she's saying without being defensive or, you know, offended? Like, how do you just have a healthy way of communicating with her in, in those kind of situations when, when fears popped up again? Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of it has to do with just a, a willingness to be vulnerable. You know, I think a lot of times as men, we're, we're sort of taught growing up that vulnerability is weakness. And so we shy away from it. And, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, it's the last thing we want to show our wife, you know, is weakness. So we, we can shy away from vulnerability with our wives. And that of course keeps us disconnected from them. They know what's up. They're pretty smart. They're pretty intuitive usually. So us kind of holding it, holding back and keeping that from them doesn't really help all that much. Um, but I think for me, it's just been, you know, you know, my wife is pretty intuitive and, and incredibly compassionate so, you know, I, I do find it, you know, easy to, to talk to her. And that doesn't mean I always receive it well and that I'm not defensive or I don't get defensive. But I know when I when I really do need to kind of I need some support and I do need to talk through something or I am struggling in some way, I can share that with her and, you know, and and know that she's going to love me. You know, she doesn't see that as a weakness. She's in fact, welcomes it. So mm, that's awesome. Yeah. And it, and it's one that it's, I appreciate the fact that you're, you're saying, Hey, I'm not always receiving it well, because that can be that challenge of that's not the answer I wanted from you when I came to you asking this, can you just give me the, the answer that I want? So yeah, I appreciate you being open and and honest about that because it's, it is, it is still a struggle. Even when you ask for the help is still to be Mm -hmm. open and receive it. So, um, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, there are certainly times where I'm like, nah, you know, even (laughs) so it's definitely not always received, but I know she's got a lot of wisdom too. So I have to take something she says to, to heart. Yep. No, I fully agree. And I appreciate that. What have you done and what are you continuing to do as part of like your, your habits, whether it's, daily, weekly, monthly that, you know, is helping you to continue growing and has helped you to get to where you're at now, you know, within like Jeff individually, you know, as a, as a husband, as a dad, like, what are you doing to keep yourself in that, that healthy growing momentum, that area? Mm -hmm. I think the, one of the most important things is just being really conscious your mind and your your thinking and your thoughts because we all have the sort of you know this we have this default mode network you know so our default settings we return to those really easily you know it takes you have to intentionally change those default settings those old messages you know the things that you tell yourself the fears the doubts the insecurities you know, they're always there. They don't ever like really go completely away. It's not, it's, it's like exercise. You know, you don't exercise for six weeks and say, I'm healthy. 
I never have to exercise again. I'm done. Right. Don't you we keep wish. Exercising. Right. Exactly. It would be nice if that were the fact, if that was were, were the case, but it's not. Yeah. So, you know, the same is true with our mindset. You know, we can do a lot of work and, and get improvements, but you got to keep working at it. If you really kind of get well established, you know, in sort of a new mindset and a new way of thinking, you know, you, you can miss a day or two here and go on, you know, without, you know, and, and be okay. But if, if you're not intentional about continuing to work on, you know, your thoughts and, and just be aware of them, it's like exercising, you know, you're just going to get out of shape and you can go, you're going to go back to your default mode. Yeah. So to me, it's really important to maintain a practice of, you know, meditation, prayer, and affirmation. And I find that to be one of the most helpful things to me. And when I'm doing it consistently, it makes a world of difference. And and I know that when I'm not doing it consistently, I start to falter, you know, start to slide back. That's one thing. And the other thing is is still, you know, making sure I'm surrounding myself, you know, with people that, that have hold similar values to me and that have good marriages and people that I respect and that I can go to, you know, if I'm struggling in some way. So now you've talked about having men around you that have strong marriages and the same values. Are you also looking for men that excel in other areas, whether it's like, you know, being a father, finances, career, are you also looking for men to, to, to be strong and help guide you in, in those areas or as well, or is it solely within the, the, the marriage aspect? No. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially really not having any kind of a father figure in my life now. Yeah. I need those relationships, you know, particularly for myself, I need to be, you know, I need to have mentors, whatever, in whatever area, you know, I'm trying to excel in or, or working on for the last couple of years, it's been in business, you know, starting my own business and, and have developed some good relationships uh, with people through this process that is really, that has really been helpful to me as well and developing new friendships along those, those lines. So yeah, it, it's always, I, I have a, a good sort of band of brothers, you know, that I was fortunate to to develop some strong relationships with, with other guys, you know, in college and stuff. So that is, they're always there for me. But then I've also yeah developed relationships with other men along the way when I have a need, you know, and you, you just have to, to seek those things out. And a lot of times when I'm working with people, you know, who, have really, you know, rough backgrounds or similar backgrounds or don't have relationships with their parents or don't have any parents, you know, any longer, you know, that's one of the things I always encourage them to do is, you know, to be intentional about seeking those things, those relationships out in their life. You had spoken about like stuff that'll kind of, when it comes up, kind of puts you in a position of being like off guard, more susceptible to to like our core fears, right? I know for me, like when I'm tired, I, I, it's not that I revert, but those old behaviors come in easier. It's almost like somebody left the back door open, right? And it's like, wait, who are you? <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is sleep something that you find that puts you in a place like that? If, and are there other things that are like triggers that, that you see that put men in those, in those kind of places, even after they field? 
Yeah, there's definitely, you know, different things that can trigger that, you know, there's the old acronym HALT, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, that can be triggers for lots of things for us men. But I I really, you know, when I'm stressed, when I'm feeling over kind of what, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling really stressed out, when I feel like I just have sort of too much going on or too much on my plate, that's when I, I certainly tend to be more susceptible to, you know, those, those doubts and fears and things like, like that and, and can get into, go into that sort of default negative sort of thinking and negative mindset. And so, yeah, that's one area that I have to be especially sort of just aware of and make sure I am managing stress in my life in a healthy way and, and reducing stress and engaging in the kind of self-care activities that I need to get, engage in that help reduce stress for me. Yeah. And I don't know if Jessica does this to you. Kathy does this to me. She'll, she'll notify me that the stress is uh, <laughs> triggering stuff for me and it's, <laughs> Whereas before I would have reacted uh, rather aggressively, meaning I would have blown mm -hmm. up. It's one that I now find it more helpful because then I don't get as far down that path and it's easier to course correct and, and pull out. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have someone in your life that can help you recognize it when you're not able to recognize it for yourself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, sharing where you're at, where you've been, and then how you've made that transition and just the experiences, how they've added up. And you're watching yourself even today, you know, setting up safe boundaries and men around you and, and just, just being aware of, of where you're at. How can people reach out and get in touch with you? Certainly. Thank you. So the best way, you know, probably is our website, that is um, www.greatestmarriageever.com. And you can connect through there. We have a, a five-day connection challenge that you can take for free at any point. You can just go on and sign up for that. Or you can just email me directly if you have a question and, and want to, you know, want to touch base or need a consultation or something like that at jeff at greatestmarriageever.com. And are you on like Instagram or Facebook? Email is the best way, but you, you can certainly reach out through Facebook too. We do have a Facebook uh, page and a Facebook private group that you can join. And that is, again, greatest marriage ever. If you look that up on Facebook, you'll be able to find us and you can always join the group where we have tips and tools, weekly tips and tools and stuff like that, that we post into the group. And and then if you go to our website, you can sign up for our, our weekly blog as well, where we send out a blog each week with, again, just sort of relationship tools and helpful resources. So yeah. And I got to say, I love the the recent posts that you guys have put out there about, you know, kissing in your relationship and, and helping a longer life. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I'll take all the kisses I can get from my wife. So, you know, let's live forever here. We'll, uh, right. we'll go get queen and, you know, play that song and kiss all day long. So, <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you very much, my friend. And yeah, I really appreciate you joining me here today. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Mike. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. 
If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.